0: You're listening to the On the DL podcast, the official podcast of the Temple ISD Digital Learning Department. I'm your host, John Woodward, and I am thrilled to present this episode with the pirate himself, Mr. Dave Burgess. Dave Burgess is the New York Times bestselling author of Teach Like a Pirate and co-author of P is for Pirate. He's also president of Dave Burgess Consulting, Inc., which delivers powerful, inspirational, and innovative books, keynotes, and professional development. Dave is a highly sought-after professional development speaker well-known for his creative, entertaining, and outrageously energetic style. His workshops, seminars, and keynotes not only motivate and inspire teachers, but also help them to develop practical ways to become more creative and engaging in the classroom. Dave empowers teachers to embrace the mighty purpose of being an educator and sparks them to design classes that are life-changing experiences for students. As a teacher at West Hills High School in San Diego, he was the 2001 and 2012 Golden Apple recipient and 2007-2008 Teacher of the Year. He was voted a faculty standout for 17 consecutive years in categories such as Most Entertaining, Most Energetic, and Most Dramatic. At a ceremony in Washington, D.C., the Academy of Education, Arts, and Sciences awarded him the 2014 BAMI for Secondary School Teacher of the Year. Dave specializes in teaching hard-to-reach, hard-to-motivate students with techniques that incorporate showmanship and creativity. Let's go on the DL with Dave Burgess. I am on the DL here with Dave Burgess. Let me say that again. I'm on the DL with Dave Burgess. That the Dave Burgess teach like a pirate. Dave Burgess. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I am doing fantastic. Excited to be here. And just thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And uh you know, we were
1: just kind of talking
0: before we got started kind of uh, about the difference in in weather and environments. You're up in, in the Washington, Vancouver, Washington area now. And uh, um, so uh, I think last night we would have traded some of our weather a little bit for, for a little bit calmer type rain. We can use the rain because we need to start banking our rain here for this summer when it, the water, the spigot just shuts off. But uh, we definitely would have
1: traded it. Yeah, I'll take rain any day over tornadoes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was, and there was, there was a couple different areas. So we had a lot going on weather-wise. But man, I, I just can't say it enough uh, how grateful we are for you to be here and to, to uh, be willing to to share your time with us to to talk a little bit about what I think both of our passion is is education and lifelong learning and uh, for, for all involved. So thank you again.
1: Absolutely. I'm gonna
0: ask you kind of the most general of questions, kind of your origin story to, just for those who may not be as familiar with who Dave Burgess is, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, so I always tell people that sort of my gateway drug into education was I started as a basketball coach. And so the first, my first job as a human being, I worked three summers for John Wooden at the John Wooden basketball camps in Thousand mm. Oaks, California. Really? So at a very formative time in my life, I had a chance to work week in and week out over the summers with John Wooden at these basketball camps and see him do his pyramid success and all these different things. And then my first job in a school system, I was hired as a basketball coach before I even had a teaching credential. Loved working with the kids so much. I went back to night school, got my teacher credential, and began to teach at the school. And eventually, fell so much in love with teaching. I left the coaching behind and really uh, dug into the teaching. And uh, so that's kind of like how it all started for me. Wow.
0: And then, and then, you know, you spent how many years did you spend as a teacher before total before you started? writing books and getting into the the speaking and and that side of your career.
1: Yeah. So I taught for 17 years at West Hills High School uh, in the San Diego, California area. And in maybe the last five of those years, I was also doing five or six of those years. I was doing professional development workshops on the side. I was doing the teach like a pirate program before there was a book for five or six years. I was speaking about the message. And uh, then in my last year of teaching, wrote the book. And so I was still a full-time classroom teacher when I wrote the book, when I published the book. And then after the book kind of took off, I had to make a decision. And um, I felt like I was turning down so many different opportunities to spread the message that I decided to leave, go speak full-time. And eventually um, we started the publishing company And started to run the Dave Burgess Consulting Publishing Company. So now that's what I do is I speak and run the Dave Burgess Consulting Publishing Company.
0: Yeah, I would say that it took off. I would say that, uh, I would say, did that that success kind of surprise
1: you? Yeah, for 100%. So obviously, I felt that I had written a a pretty good book. But I didn't know that it was going to resonate at the level that it did. I think I kind of caught lightning in a bottle a little bit. I think there was some, you know, good fortune to be, to write the right book at the right time, and it was a message that really resonated with people. And I knew that if I could get it in front of people with the message that um, they were, it was going to be, you know, they would enjoy it. But I didn't know how quick it was going to spread. And so the the speed that teach like a pirate kind of went viral through social media and spread around definitely surprised me. And then, for sure, when I started the journey, I didn't see the, pub, the uh, how it was going to not just be my book, but now we publish over 180 books from educators all over the world, and that side of the journey for sure I didn't foresee when it when it began.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things I I love the most about kind of the 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 turns your story has taken. You know is that you have really taken the success you've had and really parlayed that into getting the voices out of other educators. And, and I th- you, know, you, you just mentioned the number of books that have been published through your publishing company. That's amazing. And I think it's uh, a real credit to you that, that you have, you have helped amplify the voices of so many other educators.
1: That, that definitely became the focus, and very quickly I recognized that I, I always tell people, like, hey, I didn't try to write the Encyclopedia of Teaching. I tried to write my story, my message, things that I found to be successful in the classroom, and that I think that if other teachers try them, they'll find success with them as well. But I also knew that I didn't tell the whole story. And you know, this is something that happens to me all the time is those people will come up to me and say like, hey, why isn't this in the book? How come you didn't write about this and all that? Mm-hmm. And usually my answer is very simple. Also, maybe I wasn't very good at those things. And so I couldn't authentically write about them. And I wanted everything in the book to be written from a very authentic place. And a perfect example of that is educational technology. Well, I don't have a lot of educational technology in Teach Like a Pirate. And the answer is absolutely that I wasn't very good at it at the time that I wrote that book. And so why am I going to write from an inauthentic space about something that I'm not doing in my classroom when I could tap into some of these amazing people who were doing incredible things with educational technology and then help them spread their messages? And so that very quickly became my focus. Is like, okay, I've told my story. People will say, are you going to write Teach Like a Pirate Part 2? No, I told my story. Now I'm going to spend my time trying to find other people doing amazing things in their classrooms and help them get their message to more people too. And so that became the focus of what we do here.
0: Well, I love it. I love it. So, you know, keep up, keep up what you're doing there. Cause I think it's amazing. And is, it's kind of, you talk about you caught lightning in a bottle, but you've, you've put it to where, you know, it's kind of catching like a brush fire in education and, and getting lots of different messages out. Of, uh, so I think it's amazing. Um, Getting talking a little more just into education here, every state, of course, has their standardized test. You know, California, Washington, Texas, everybody's got something that they're testing students on. And of course, Texas has the STAR test, and they've just kind of revamped it. So we have STAR 2.0. And understandably, like most of these tests, Makes the teachers nervous and, and apprehensive, um, just you know no, they kind of get used to teaching and and preparing students for one version of the test, and now you know star 2.0 has a bunch of different types of questions now, and it's just you know sometimes it's hard for them to to focus on the content when they're trying to get wrap their head around how do I convey the the nuances of this new test. How do you believe we can create experiences in in such an increasingly, I'll term it, burnout culture that teachers have, especially post-COVID, while at the same time maintaining focus and rigor. You know, so so how do we how do we create experiences in the classroom? Yeah. So while this at the same be- time, how do we balance yeah. it? How do we balance it?
1: Yeah. So this goes to one of the key lines in Teach Like a Pirate that you're referencing, which is don't just teach a lesson, create an experience. So lessons are easily forgotten. Experiences live forever. And so I always give the example, like they may, they may forget some of that prohibition lecture, but they'll never forget going to the speakeasy. So how do we take our content and say, here's my content, not good enough. How do I make it come alive? How do I make it memorable? How do I create an experience around that? And that's a big part of what Teach Like a Pirate is about. And so... That doesn't stop with the testing, And And um, I have a couple of confrontational lines in Teach Like a Pirate. And one of them is this, it doesn't matter what you say if nobody's listening. And so you can focus on the test all you want. You can try to cover all these standards all you want. But if nobody is listening to what you're saying, it doesn't matter. So it always comes back to student engagement. It always comes back to empowering kids, to own their learning and focusing on powerful pedagogy. And it is not that I don't care about the test. I do care about this. I want my students to excel on the test. I absolutely care about the test. But what I believe is that the real way to prepare them for the test is to focus on powerful pedagogy and what you're doing in your classroom, because then you have to spend less time reteaching. Then you have to spend less time reviewing because they got it the first time. They were engaged, they learned it, they, they it stuck with them. And like one of the things I talk to teachers about is, hey, let's put handles on material to make it easier for them to pick up. So we're trying to create ways of teaching that draw them in almost magically or magnetically into what you're doing in the room. And then also put those handles on it so they have things that they can grasp to hold on to and pick with them like, you know, how we, uh, the mnemonic structure, the memory strategies and all these mm-hmm. different things that are embedded into the lessons so that they're gonna uh, retain that material. I don't want them to know it just for the test on Friday. I want them to know it for the rest of their lives. So I'm always yeah. trying to create experiences for them because that makes it more memorable and adding these handles to them to it as well. There's another uh, confrontational line in the book. I said, at some point in your career, you have to decide if you care more about teaching the tests or teaching the kids. And I decided a long time ago, I teach kids. And again, it's not that I don't think they test that they I want them to do well on the test. It's just that I think by really focusing on your teaching techniques, teaching methods, and building strong rapport and relationships with kids, that in the long run, that is going to be the best thing that you can do for the test as well. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I would start.
0: Yeah, and it, what I'm hearing from you is, you know, if you put your best foot forward and put the students first, teach them, like you said, with an experience, um, the, the test will follow. that will, you know, that will take care of itself. If you're putting your best foot forward uh, and you mentioned, you know, passion a lot in that book um, and and you're teaching with passion and keeping the kids at the forefront, the test will take care of itself with good pedagogy uh, and creating that experience.
1: Absolutely. And so I see too many people, you know, they, uh, because of the focus on the test, they move to a much more like drill and kill style of instruction and worry more about the breadth of what they cover rather than the depth. And so, uh, but I think in the long run, that's not gonna be the most successful approach.
0: Yeah, I think I think your comment that you want them to learn it for the rest of their lives, not just for the tests, you know, and I can speak from experience how many times I studied in school and I studied for the test, but not. I didn't have the retention beyond that, um, and and so I think it's it's such a huge point is is we're we're teaching for a lifetime, not for a test.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's kind of about embracing that mightier purpose of why we're in this business to begin with, and uh, we're not like I I always have said like. You, don't, you can't measure a teacher's effectiveness by uh, test scores. Their effectiveness can only be measured through generations, right? Because that's the kind of impact that we have with our students in our schools, in our classrooms. Like we're, we're in the life-changing business. Uh, delivery of content is just like the tip of the iceberg, we the impact that we actually have with students. And so that overemphasis on that little tip of the iceberg poking out of the water is, um, you know, can, can be a problem. Wow. Uh,
0: a lot of great lines to, to capture in what you're saying um, on your show. And of course you have your own podcast that I want to make sure people know about the Dave Burgess show, which is uh, an excellent podcast. Um, you've met, had the opportunity, not only with, with the podcast, but with your, your publishing company, Uh, with the different books you've published for different educators, but you've met with many influential people over a variety of topics. Uh, You know, most recently you you had Matt Miller on, you know, talking about AI and and what his book and what's going on with AI. You've you've talked with people like that, to happiness coaches, to learning experts, edgy celebrities. I think you've even had family members on your podcast. In these conversations have you seen some common threads and what we you know, and what can we learn from these people because I know that we're talking about a diverse group of people variety of backgrounds ages etc but what are the common threads in those conversations and and what we can learn from those
1: yeah so I think one of the common threads is that there is no one way to the top of the mountain. There's no one right way to teach. There's no one right way to be successful, that there are lots of different approaches that uh, can get great results. And so a lot of these teachers that I'm talking to, they, they teach very differently than, than I do. And that's perfectly fine. And we can all learn from each other. And if anyone's trying to kind of like sell you a bill of goods, that this is the only way to do it, you have to be very cautious. And that's one of the things I tell people to teach like a pirate. Like I'm not trying to make Dade Burgess clones. I'm not trying to get people to go out and teach like me. I'm trying to get them to embrace what's unique and special about themselves and take their strengths and talents and their voice and then weave it together with some of the human nature ideas that I talk about in Teach Like a Pirate to create the best them. And that's what's going to make the most powerful and effective in the classroom. So that's one thing I think I've learned from talking to so many educators. And the other thing is that Everyone has a story. Everyone has struggles that you don't know about. Everyone that you see as like, uh, that maybe you put up on a pedestal as someone who has achieved some level of mastery or success, they have stuff that they had to go through behind the scenes that you know nothing about. And so it's been a real joy to talk to many of these people and to kind of hear their backstory. We see them maybe like up on stage, giving the keynote at the conference, And we think they were an overnight success. And very quickly, you learn that there's no such thing as an overnight success, that everyone has had roadblocks, challenges, obstacles. And when you really dive into their story, that's when you really find the interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, I think those are two common threads I've seen as I've talked to so many different people.
0: Are you surprised every time you you have an episode on your show and, and talk to people, just you learning something new every time?
1: It's, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. I'm always trying to kind of dig in behind the scenes and find what the backstory is, what, the, what sort of their origin story is. And, um, you know, like recently I talked, you mentioned the happiness coach, I talked to Kim Strobel. And here is a woman who's all over the nation giving keynotes on stages. And to find out that she had severe panic disorder and couldn't even go run a basic errand, uh, like to Walmart, um, at one point in her life, and now she's doing one of the most feared things in the world, which is public speaking for a living. You know, just when you when you hear the backstory, and you see what people have overcome, it's just so inspiring.
0: Yeah, because I, I I think you know going to conferences and like you said, hearing hearing keynotes, uh, you come away inspired but then we we try to put also ourselves in the mode of the presenter. Like, I can't do that. I'm not that person because we don't see beyond the surface. You know, we don't see that we're all human. We're all, um, you know, individuals that that have their own unique struggles. And, and sometimes, you know, I've found myself when I was teaching, going back into the classroom, trying to be something I'm not. And, you know, because I'm trying to be like, Somebody else said I saw at the keynote. Well, I can't do that because they do. I love what you're saying about taking what we do best and in taking those tips and you know reading a book like Teach Like a Pirate and not trying to be Dave Burgess or but to be you know who we are while using the same principles and and that can that can be hard. It's so easy to lose side of the fact like you said that people have their own struggles and what you see is is not the whole story i think you said tip of the iceberg i mean and what we see is where they are now but but uh what a what a joy to be able to to kind of see the story behind the story that you're yes
1: In the, I just published an episode of the podcast today, and it used a quote from John Acuff. And what he said is don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or your middle to someone else's end. And understand that everyone is on uh, their own path, their own journey, they're running their own race. And uh, you can't expect, as you're beginning your story, to have it look the same as someone else who's been in the game for a while, right? And when you set yourself up like that, then you're setting up false or unrealistic expectations, which lead to feeling overwhelmed and burnt out and all that. And so you have to kind of give yourself some grace to accept where you are on your path. And then likewise, if you're further along the path, make sure that you're turning around and putting a handout and trying to help those people behind you get past the challenges, obstacles, and roadblocks that maybe you just passed a little while ago. And so it kind of goes both ways. Don't be intimidated by who you see ahead of you on the path and don't be judgmental or forget the people that are behind you on the path. And um, we're we're all, we're all headed to the mountaintop. So uh, we can help each other along the way.
0: Yeah. And I was going to mention something that, that you just covered, which is we all need to give ourselves a little bit of grace that, you know what, everybody, each of us has a, a pretty good story to tell too. Uh, yeah. But uh, I loved uh, I love what you said there. Let's get beyond. Let's go beyond testing in the school year. Once testing is finished, you know we're we're just about on testing season right now. Looking beyond testing, teachers still have about a month or so of school beyond the test. You know, there's depending on when when uh, mm-hmm. districts get out for the year they have a few weeks left to teach afterwards. How do you believe teachers, educators can use that time to improve their craft? You're still teaching, but while at the same time, make it meaningful, maintain a level of rigor.
1: Yeah, so I think this is the perfect opportunity for you to incorporate a lot more choice and voice in the classroom, to really experiment with uh, letting the reins loose a little bit and allowing kids to own their learning. Maybe you create, uh, like maybe you didn't feel like you had time for kind of genius hour type projects or passion projects for students to really go down some rabbit holes of self-interest, the things that they're interested in in your curriculum. And now maybe this is an opportunity, the, pa- the test is over. You don't have you don't have to have that, uh, day-to-day focus on making sure that you've covered what you need to for that test. So now maybe you have a chance to let kids go deep into some areas where they have some passion and allow them to make some choices about how they're gonna demonstrate their their learning. And so maybe you've heard about all these things before, the genius hour, more project-based learning, all this kind of stuff like this. And it's been kind of a little bit scary because you know you have this test coming up on the horizon, now it's over. Now maybe it's a chance for you to really experiment with that. And maybe it's a chance for you to try some new techniques that you've been thinking about and that you've been wanting to do, but now there's so much lower, there's not the same risk. Uh, I'm not sure if there ever is as much risk as you think there is, but certainly now there's less risk uh, that the test is passed. Like maybe you've been hearing all this stuff about AI and chat GPT and all this. Well, what does that look like in your classroom with your students? Maybe the last few weeks of school is a chance to explore some of that and to, attempt some things that might influence how you teach next year. So now that you've got the, the big event in the past, maybe now is a chance to have a dry run on some different things that you might want to explore and try on a larger scale next year when school starts again.
0: All right. Moving past that into the summer, if you were going to give teachers, one or two things to do over the summer break. Um, What would you recommend they do during that time to kind of recharge and regroup for the coming school year? Um, And then a follow-up question to that is what would you recommend they not do?
1: Okay. So I'm going to answer those in the opposite order. So I'm going to do it the not first. So on the not part, do not feel guilty at time that you spend outside of education. Do not feel guilty for unplugging from your school system, from your uh, professional work as an educator uh, at all. This is a time for, uh, to restore, to recover, to rejuvenate, and to be able to recharge those batteries after an extraordinarily tough school year and to be ready to hit the ground running in, uh, in, in the fall. So that's one thing I would say. And along those same lines, this goes hand in hand with that, is that be willing to explore some of your personal passions and hobbies and interests, or develop new personal passions and hobbies and interests, and, uh, and understand that these things are not, wa- it's not wasted time. Not only is it recovery and restoration, but it's also going to give you the creative ammunition for new ideas that that you can bring back into your school system. Teach Like a Pirate is a strange book. I'll tell you something strange about it. Not one education book is referenced inside of it. Not a single one. I love education books. i publish published a whole bunch, but that's not where Teach Like a Pirate came from. It was from the outside drawn in. So I was drawing from my outside passions and interests, and that's what made Teach Like a Pirate unique and special. And that's what's going to make teachers unique and special as well. So... Uh, like one of the, one of my phrases, i like to say, live wide, read wide. Don't just be stuck in the education section of the bookstore. Don't just be stuck in your profession, but start to learn as much as you possibly can from as many sources as possible outside of education. And the ideas that it's going to bring you are going to do, it's it's just going to inform your teaching in the long run. So be willing to go out there and do all kinds of fun things and explore those interests and hobbies and go down those. We talked about kids going down rabbit holes allow yourself to go down those rabbit holes as well um, and uh, unplug from your work for a while
0: yeah i mean you you kind of talked about that time after testing to take to take some risk and you know kind of let the the creativity flow you know that's what i'm hearing during the summer just unhook yourself and and give yourself that grace to step out of the education box for a little bit because it seems like, you know, you reference this in your book and you just referenced it about outside passions. If you have those outside passions going and you're, whether they're directly related to education or not, you're going to bring that passion back into the classroom with you. And that's what I'm hearing is you don't have to stay in the education box in order to, keep the the creative juices flowing
1: yeah and as a uh, runner and someone who's into fitness one of the one of the biggest mistakes that people make is to not take recovery days and so if you are working out hard every single day thinking that that's helpful actually it's not like the sometimes the most important day of the week or the most important days of the week in some cases are those recovery days when you get a chance to uh, assimilate those gains and allow your like muscles to rebuild and allow your body to uh, uh, those adaptations to take place in your body. And so that's important. You can't just run yourself into the ground. You have to recover. And the same thing is true for educators is the summer is do not ignore your need for recovery and rejuvenation. I love it. Love it.
0: Well, Dave, you've finished the easy questions. Uh, Now I'm going to, I'm going to, with a kind of a thing we do at the end here, lightning round of questions. This is, this is, this is where they get a little dicey and, uh, I don't want you you to get nervous. And uh, I do reserve the right to ask follow-ups if something is creative and, uh, And uh, but uh, just what comes to your mind is is kind of the answer we're looking for. There's no right or wrong. So.
1: All right, let's do this. All right.
0: What is your go to lazy dinner?
1: Okay, I'm going to say Costco chicken skewers. Open up the package, throw them onto a paper plate, throw them in the microwave, uh, add a little sauce afterwards. Boom. I don't even have to have utensils. They got a little stick you can pick them up by. So Costco chicken skewers right there.
0: All right. We don't have enough Costco's here. They're all in the bigger cities, but we're supposed to be getting one closer. So I will remember that because it sounds, uh, I like the utensil being built into it. Absolutely. Would you rather travel to the past or to the future?
1: Okay, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with the past. I think there's probably lots of questions that I would like to ask people. Um, and some things I'd like to learn in the past. I was a history teacher right. for 17 years. So, uh, I think I like to go to the past, the future. Um, yeah, so many unpredictable things. I think I'm going to stick on the past. I'm going to stick with the past on this one. Okay.
0: That makes sense. What is your favorite thing to do in the summertime?
1: I am a, a sunset connoisseur. And so in the summertime, I love to try to get, uh, not miss any sunsets try to get to some unique cool places to catch them and uh you know just just using my iphone but try to get some great sunset pictures to put up on social media my instagram account and all that and so uh, that's one of my favorite things of the summer
0: that's pretty cool and uh, yeah i have a feeling you'll catch some good ones up there in the pacific northwest hopefully so what is your favorite movie genre
1: Okay, I'm going to go with an unusual choice and say documentary.
0: All right. <laughs> no, that's not unusual at all. Especially yeah. being a former history teacher.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with documentary. What's your favorite all-time movie? Just kind of building on that. Oh, wow. So now if I don't say a documentary, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm kind of No, not good, necessarily. Right? Not no, necessarily no, no,
0: no. cuz you know, the genre's big picture, so. Yeah, oh wow. Um And if you can't narrow it to one, list a few.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I can remember. So the movie, one of the movies I saw the most when I was younger, is *Purple Rain* with Prince. So uh, I I enjoyed *Purple Rain* with Prince. Um, Documentaries: uh, the Ken Burns documentary on the Civil War. Oh yeah. One of my favorite documentaries. Fantastic. *Eyes on the Prize* about the Civil Rights Movement. It's another one of my favorite documentaries. Um, a movie called rise about Tommy the clown <laughs> and uh, in Los Angeles is uh, a good outside the box one. Um, yeah. So those are a couple. I have to put it on the list.
0: What's your favorite? We'll, we'll get off movies and say, what's your favorite pizza topping?
1: Okay. So it's a combo uh, pepperoni and sausage. If I have to choose one, if that's cheating, I'll choose pepperoni, but uh, if you really want me to be happy, uh, it's a pepperoni and sausage combo. Uh, I'm
0: going to I'll, I'll say, I'll just say toppings. So no, you're good. Okay. You're good because it, it's hard to choose one or you got to have them both. It's kind of like a Reese's, yes. you know, you can't have one without the other. So exactly. What's the first concert you ever attended?
1: Uh, so I think my first concert was in San Diego. I saw the Fresh Fest. Which had um, Run DMC, Houdini, the Fat Boys, a few other people on there. I saw the Fresh Fest a couple times as they came through in San Diego in the mid '80s. I um, also saw it in the Oakland Col- Coliseum when I was up in um, college. I saw one with that same group, but with maybe Public Enemy and a few others. But yeah, so oh, the wow. Fresh Fest was my first concert. All right.
0: If you could teleport right
1: now, where would you go? Hawaii. It's my, probably one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, I had a home there for a while. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to be back there at some point. Uh, but yeah, so I am a huge fan of Hawaii. Just when you get off, the, as soon as you get off the plane, you walk out, just that it just feels immediately, everything just feels different. Well, and So it, that's where I would teleport.
0: Well, and you, you got me wanting to teleport right now. I've never been to Hawaii, but it makes me want to go right now. Uh, so put, it on the actually... bucket,
1: put it on the bucket list.
0: It's on the bucket list, and yeah. uh, I'd teleport up to, up to Vancouver, Washington in that area, too, because I'd love it. Love it. Finish this sentence. I would do just about anything for
1: my children, Finn and Hayden. So I have two kids, and uh, yeah, I think that's the, my right. top right. answer for that one.
0: That's a great answer. What, what one thing always calms you down when you're stressed?
1: Running. And so I've often told people that for me running is no more than 50% about fitness and at least 50% about mental health and an ability to unplug, get away from devices, be out in space, out in nature, and just to be alone with my reflections and thoughts uh, and, you know, get get the, the breath going and blood pumping and always feel better after, um, less and less stressed after a run.
0: Okay, Exercise in general, if someone's not a runner, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yep. The, the, the for best I mean,
1: opening the door and going on a
0: walk is just as good. Just get out. Yep. You know, all right. Go on less serious note. What is the lamest dessert that people try to pass off as a dessert?
1: Actually, this is an easy one. Anything with fruit, whether it's the dreaded fruitcake, whether it's the, hey, we've for dessert, we have a special fruit tray or uh, chocolate banana, c- candied apple, anything that's got, f- anything with fruit, that is not a dessert. Keep it away from me. All <laughs>
0: right. Is this is a, this is a, uh, on the DL favorite, but is double dipping at a party ever acceptable?
1: Never. Not acceptable ever one time. <laughs> Don't do it.
0: I like it. I love it. It's either one or the other, man. It's either one or the other, you know, yeah. it's, there's no middle ground there. Um, if you had your own show and were are doing an interview with me now, it's funny that I've had that question in there because you do have your own show. Uh, but if you were going to ask, what is one question you would like to ask
1: me? So one of the questions that I love to either ask my guests or, to explain to the audience, if I know the answer, is I like to dive into and talk about like our personal origin stories like, where did our orbits intersect and connect? And, you know, like, how was it that you first came into contact with me, me with you, and like that uh, you and my message or whatever it might be. I love to find out about kind of like how me and my guest and our orbits ended up intersecting
0: yeah i think for me it was it was being a a teacher new to the profession i will say i won't say that i'm a i was a young teacher because i was a late a late starter when it came to education i kind of had a previous career uh, before that Mm -hmm. but i think it was it was teach like a pirate and and seeing the messages in the book and then not only that but but, kind of being aware of the dynamic keynotes you did, you know, I had known some people that had you had gone to their district and had gotten to meet you. And then I, I think, as I got further into teaching and and started having different roles, seeing what you were doing with your success and with the things that came out of Teach Like a Pirate, with the publishing company, and seeing all these other educators that were writing books, you know, through your publishing company. Um, and so when I was doing and doing this podcast for the school district, just became aware of, you know, the kind of people that I would want to talk to uh, and we would want teachers to be able to hear. And you were, you were top of the list.
1: Oh, awesome! Well, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah, so I'm always curious to see like what like do people discover? Yeah, book first, book first or hear me speak first or meet at a conference or social media. Sometimes right. it's social media, like there's all sorts of ways. But I love to kind of find that backstory out.
0: Yeah. So, well, Dave Burgess, I cannot thank you enough for your time, uh, and I appreciate you being on the DL with me today.
1: Absolutely, John. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on the show. And just sending a shout out to all the teachers there in Temple. And I know that you're doing incredible work under very tough circumstances. And there's a lot of critics out there in the world, but there's also a lot of supporters of what you do. And I know how hard you're working. So all the way from Vancouver, Washington, I'm one of those supporters. And thank you for all that you're doing for kids.
0: Thanks for that message, Dave. All right. You have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the On the DL podcast, the official podcast of the Temple ISD Digital Learning Department. Please subscribe in whichever podcast platform you're listening on so that you can be made aware when future episodes drop.